Good morning, church. Uh, it has been a minute. I'm wondering if I remember how to do this. We're going to try to figure it out. Um, if you have your Bibles this morning, I would like for you to open up to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to expand a little bit on what Diane and David read this morning. I do want to thank uh, Randy and John both for uh, the jokes and getting me back in the groove of things here. Uh, I have no intention of being a missionary to Ukraine. Uh, two trips was enough. And uh, so I'm gonna try to be here in the Grand Republic of the United States of America for as long as possible. Um, with that being the other option. And I do appreciate the song. Uh, that is one of my favorites. So buddy, I appreciate that. Uh, so it's wonderful to be here in person with you today. Uh, while I am extremely grateful to God for the common grace of technology, which gives us things like cell phones and the internet, social media platforms that allow um, me to join with you guys when I was in Ukraine, I, I had to watch at five o'clock on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, uh, to be able to uh, tune in with you guys. But I was able to do that, and I am grateful for that because it was nice to still be a part of our service um, or even when we're 30 minutes down the road in a hospital room on a Sunday morning, it's nice to have that opportunity uh, to uh, be with the people of God, to be with our church family. Uh, but there's absolutely nothing like seeing you face to face. Like there, there will never be a screen that makes it, make, makes it better than this. And so I'm grateful to see your faces. I'm grateful for the hugs and for uh, the welcome backs and the joking and the jests. Um, I just want to thank you all so much for your support and your prayers uh, that you've offered up um, as Kelly and I went through this last uh, couple of steps of this international adoption, uh, which was hard. This was by far, like the tail end of this thing has been by far the hardest part, uh, and we're not quite finished yet. We're probably at about 90 to 95% done, and there's still some processes to go through, but we're, we're on the downhill side of that now. So the hard, hardest part is done. Um, and so now we're trying to see what it's like to balance life, driving back and forth to the hospital, uh, life with uh, Sophia in the home and trying to figure out how we can uh, incorporate her into our family uh, with her needs and her challenges. Um, and so, I mean, it's been, it's been interesting because Kelly came home uh, she was there for two weeks. I was there for three weeks. And then she had to come home uh, for an emergency, like getting Artem back to the hospital as quickly as possible. The nurse said after seeing him and evaluating him that if he had been in the country for about another month, he would have died. So we are grateful um, and thankful. And I would appreciate your continued prayer. Um, that little man's a fighter. And he is, he's battling hard and he's, he's on the upswing. So far, everything's been going well. Um, he is struggling with, the, with some acid reflux and stuff like that. So he's having a hard time eating. Uh, so we're going to put, they're going to put a G tube in so that the food goes directly into his stomach, try to bypass some of those processes. Um, but he's gained a pound in the two weeks that he's been here. So that's good. Uh, and they're slowly increasing his food every single day. Um, but all that to say, I'm thankful for the prayers. I'm thankful for the support, the food, um, the, the money, you know, that you guys have donated to make all this possible. 
Um, it's been a huge blessing to us. And so I am grateful. Let's pray. Father, there is something amazing about the church. Something amazing that our relationship with Christ can bring people from different ages and uh, socioeconomical backgrounds, educational backgrounds, different ethnicities, all across the board. You can bring people from all different walks of life and you can bring them into the church and there is a different type of relationship that happens in a place like this than happens in anywhere else in the world. And God, I'm grateful for the love of Christ that makes this possible, that breaks down barriers, that uh, puts people's uh, desires and hopes into their back pocket as they go forward uh, to pursue uh, showing your love to the world, putting themselves in the last place in all of our relationships. And Lord, it's this love that comes through Jesus that makes all of this possible. And we're going to speak to that today in your, to honor you during this Advent season. And Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would be here and that would, He would impress upon us this idea of love and what it means to love one another uh, the way that you have loved us in Christ. Lord, I ask these things in your Son's precious name. Amen. So we are in the third week of the Advent season, uh, which is a season uh, of waiting and expectation. That's what Advent means. It means coming. And so it's this idea that uh, the people in the Old Testament were waiting for the coming of Christ. We now, today, are waiting for the second coming of Christ. And uh, it's in this season uh, that we uh, spend a few minutes during our service reading scripture we light advent candles as we consider four themes that we experience in that longing in that desire uh, uh, to see christ come uh, that we often lean into during this advent season right typically those themes it may not be these exact words but words like these you've got hope you've got peace you've got love joy something along those lines it's close to one of those topics and the topic that we're considering this week is love. And specifically, we're talking about the love of God for sinful and rebellious people and the impact that that love has on our lives as the church. Now, as a sinful and rebellious person myself, I am extremely grateful for God's love. Now, I don't say this to try to puff myself up because I'm going to deflate it immediately, but there have been several people at the hospital that have heard our story and they're like, oh, you guys are angels. You guys are amazing. And I, I mean, I literally cannot tell you through this last bit of process of how many people I have wanted to punch in the throat to get my son home, to get my daughter home. And the whole process, like while we're here, the frustrations that we experience through that, like I am nobody's angel, right? I am... <laughs> I am not to be lifted up in any way, shape, or form. I am extremely grateful for the love of Christ and what He has done for this sinful and rebellious person. Right? Because without the love of God shown to us in sending His Son Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin, there is no hope. 
Right? There is no peace and there is no joy. Right? Because without the ultimate manifestation of love in the coming of Christ, you and I are still lost in our sins. Right? When I have these impulses to inflict bodily harm on someone because of how they treated my adopted son, like there is no hope for me because I want to hurt other people. But in Christ, I can, I can feel that way and there's hope, right? Maybe one day I will get to the point where I don't want to do these things to people. I can just pray for them and allow God to do His vengeance thing instead of trying to do it myself. Right? But without the ultimate manifestation of love, we have none of that hope. We have no hope of restoring our relationship with God. And if we can't restore our relationship with God, then we're not children of God. And the Bible says, outside of faith in Christ, we are enemies of God with no way of making that relationship work with Him. If we're not His children, then we are rebellious enemies that are actively fighting against Him. And because we cannot have peace with God outside of that relationship with Christ, the best that we can hope for in this life is a life full of happiness. Right? And I mean, at first glance, that doesn't sound too bad, right? I mean, who doesn't want to be happy? How many of you, if you had the opportunity right now to vote in a life of nothing but happiness for yourself, would vote for that? Okay, how many of the rest of you are liars? Because that's everybody else that didn't raise your hand. Everybody that didn't raise your hand is a liar because every single one of us, if we had the opportunity to vote in our happiness, we would absolutely do that. Right? But there's several problems with our happiness. Right? Number one, happiness is fragile. It's a weak emotion that can barely hold itself together from minute to minute. Right? The reason is because happiness is completely and solely based on our circumstances. Right? Our circumstances change, and then our happiness changes. From one minute to the next, you can be having the best day of your life, and with one phone call, you can go from having to the worst day of your life, right? One phone call from the doctor that says, hey, this is Dr. So-and-so, it's cancer. It's terminal. You have six months to live. Best day of your life to the worst day of your life. Or, hey, this is Officer So-and-so, we just found your loved one's car wrapped around the tree. They didn't make it. Best day of your life to the worst day of your life. Or, hey, this is Firefighter Bob, we're at your house right now, it's gone. Total loss. Nothing's left. Best day of your life to the worst day of your life with a simple phone call. And even if your entire life catered to your happiness, eventually something's going to shatter it because it's a fleeting emotion, right? Someone's going to die. Something's going to change. And your happiness is gone just like that. Right, number two, as people who are broken because of sin, we don't actually know what's best for us. Right? We, would, we would absolutely vote in that idea of what we think is going to make us happy. But our heart is inclined towards things that are, that are going to lead us away from God. Right? The only unwavering source of our happiness, and we would gladly give that stuff away to pursue things that have no hope of bringing us peace or joy or, or fulfillment and happiness for long term. And so in our pursuit of our own happiness, we end up being the instrument of our own sadness or aggravation because we have pursued after things that cannot fulfill. Right? 
So that job that you desperately wanted ended up coming with ulcers and panic attacks, right? The relationship you desperately wanted led to the realization that the guy, girl, whoever it is that you pursued after was ultimately a jerk or a crazy person. And now you have to deal with the fallout of that broken relationship. But you wanted it so bad at the beginning, you would absolutely have voted for that if you had the opportunity. And on the other side of it, it's insanity. Right, The fame and fortune that you gave up all your true relationships in pursuit of turned out to be shallow and empty. And now you have all the money that you could ever hope to spend in your lifetime. And everyone knows your name, but there's no one who really cares about you to share it with. Everybody has an ulterior motive that's in your life now. Right, We just don't know what's best for us, but we would vote for it if we had the opportunity. Right? And three, in a broken world, everyone is pursuing their own happiness. And eventually, my pursuit of my happiness is going to conflict with your pursuit of your happiness. Right? We're going to want two things that can't happen at the same time. Right? It's the law of non-contradiction. If I have this and you want it, we can't both have it. Right? And this is how people get in a fight at Walmart on Black Friday because they want $100 off a big screen TV. Right? When you, what you want is in direct conflict with what I want, suddenly neither of us are happy unless we win the conflict. Right? And so none of this gives us opportunity for lasting hope. None of it gives us opportunity for lasting peace and joy. But when you see the love of God literally stepping out of heaven to take on our sin and shame and our punishment for our rebellion, suddenly hope peace, and joy are possible. It all hinges on this idea of love. Suddenly, our circumstances don't dictate a fickle emotion like happiness. Instead, we're anchored to something much more substantial that doesn't fluctuate, that doesn't change with time. And it's this love that the Apostle John is going to point out in our passage this morning. Uh, and it's quite obvious that he is all about that love. We're going to look at 1 John 7-21, to 21, uh, chapter 4, 7-21. to 21. And so as I read through this, I want you to follow along with me as I read it. And I want you to try to count how many times he says the word love or loved in this passage. All right? Follow with me. Try to count them and... and There's going to be a test, so we'll see what you come up with. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent His one and only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and His love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in Him and He in us. He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent His Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. 
in this love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is so also are we in this world there is no fear in love instead perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment so the one who fears is not complete in love we love because he first loved us if anyone says i love god and yet hates his brother or sister he is a liar for the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love god whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him, the one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. All right, what did you get? Got 24? Anybody up? 25? 27, 26? All right, so it may be different in different uh, translations, right? Some may say something a little different, um, but the CSB, the CSB has the word love or love 27 times in 15 verses. 27 times in 15 verses. All right, so it's pretty clear that John is trying to get his reader to understand the importance of love that we have been shown by God through Christ. And then he's also trying to remind them of how, how do you live out of that. Right? If you have this love that he is blessed us with, has poured out on us extravagantly, then what do you do with that love once it has become yours? Right? Because it's not what would make us happy, which is to soak all that up and to make it all about us. Then we're supposed to turn around and pour that back out into the world uh, the same way that we have been loved. Verses 7 to 11 emphasize the impact that the love of God has on the lives of those who will put their faith in Christ. Specifically, verses 9 to 10. When we see verses 7 and 8, um, they, they're very familiar to many people. right? Verses 7 to 8, everybody knows these two verses because it creates an emotive response in us. right? This idea that God is love. right? Everyone likes that idea. Everyone. Even non-Christians believe if there is a God, then that God must be a God of love. He must love me because I'm great. Have you met me? I'm awesome. And I've never, I'm not Hitler and I've never killed anybody, so obviously that God must love me because God is love. But the problem is they don't have a biblical understanding of love when they think about God being love. Right? In their mind, that love means that God just adores us all. God wants everything that we want because when we create a God in our own image, amazingly enough, that God always wants what I want. And so we've already talked about how pursuit of happiness is fickle. And if we have a God that solely wants to make us happy because he loves us, then it's going to come to our downfall. And it's going to come to the downfall of the world, right? Because our sinful natures lead us away from the creator, right? It always happens. For God to indulge us because he loves us, is not going to end well for this world. And therefore, it is not a loving thing for him to do. So their misunderstanding of the biblical idea of love would absolutely lead to the destruction of us and our planet if God was that way. right? But instead of loving us like that, God shows his great love for us in sending Jesus to conquer sin and to conquer death so that our relationship with God the Father could be restored. 
Right? This is what John tells us in verses 9 and 10. These verses give us our foundational action that comes from God's love and what it means for God's people. Right? God's love for us was so significant that He was willing to sacrifice His Son Jesus on our behalf so that we might have life. And this is not just our version of happiness in this life. This is actual life. This is life that has real purposes that don't just pursue after our own happiness, but more meaningfully pursues after the things of God and the things of the kingdom, the things that have eternal meaning and eternal impact. That's the life that we get in Christ. And there was no other option that was available that would lead us to having life this way. Our sinful choices put us at odds with a holy and righteous God. And to have a relationship with Him requires our perfection. And that's just not something that we're capable of mustering up on our own. Right? In fact, Romans 3, 10-18 says that no one is even interested in trying. Right? In our sinful nature, no one is even interested in pursuing after God if that means that I have to sacrifice my desires. Right? And Paul here says that no one is righteous or pursues after God in the way that they should. And Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. So after we are constantly walking away from our Savior, after we're constantly walking away from the Creator God, then as we're doing this, we're sinning in the process. And that sin earns us death. Right? That's what we are earning as we go through this process. But God was not willing to leave us in this sinful state. He loved His people too much. The Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians 2, 1-10. through He says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love that He had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You were saved by grace. He also raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that the coming ages, in the coming ages He might display the immeasurable riches of His grace through His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you were saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are His worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. And so... Through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, those who put their faith in Christ are brought from death to life. Children of wrath to co-heirs with Christ. And the life that we have been given in Christ is meant to overflow out of our heart with the same love that has been shown to us in Christ. And that's the work that God has prepared for us beforehand, before the foundations of the world, when God chose you to be one of His children, He set apart things for you to do that should be an outpouring of love that you have because of your understanding of the fact that you do not deserve this. 
You do not deserve the love that God has poured out on you in Jesus. And when you see it and when you understand it, then you want to turn around and give that love away in the same way that it's been given to you, freely and without merit. Right? You are not owed this. You are given this as a free gift of God's grace. And so we are to take the gospel to the nations. Right, I joked earlier about not ever wanting to go to Ukraine again, but if God calls to Ukraine, I'm going. Right? If God calls to the Middle East, I'm going. Right? There is no sacrifice that He has asked from me that is any bigger than His sacrifice of His Son on my behalf. Right? What would be too big a gift for me to offer back to God for what He has given me. I can't think of a thing. So going back to our original passage in 1 John, John says in verse 11, that if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. Verse 12, if we love one another, God remains in us and His love is made complete in us. Right, Verse 20, if someone says, I love God and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. Verse 21, the one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Right? There can be no place for hate in the heart of the Christian. If you can hate someone, especially a brother and sister in Christ, if you can hate someone, it shows that you have no real understanding of what your sin cost Jesus. Right? If we can elevate our own worth above that of someone else and think that, well, maybe I deserved that salvation, maybe I deserved that forgiveness, then you have no understanding of your sin. Right? If you can look at someone and say, I just can't forgive them for what they have done to me, then you are lifting yourself up above God because God will forgive them if they will repent because of the work of Jesus on their behalf. And for us to say, I hate them. I cannot stand them. I will not be in relationship with them. It shows that we have no understanding of the cross. We have no understanding of the incarnation and why Jesus came. So there is a change that happens in us after we come to faith in Christ. Our dead hearts come alive. So this idea of pick your ism, right? Racism, sexism, ageism, whatever it is that might make you want to divide from people, that is not to be in the heart and mind of the believer, right? These things that separate us, that, that create hate and, and division in our life, it's not supposed to be there in the heart of a Christian. That is a dead heart. That is not a heart that is living in Christ. And when our hearts come alive, then we're capable of a type of love that we weren't able to experience before we came to faith in Christ. Right Before Christ, we weren't able to love God in the way that we were designed to, but Jesus bridges that gap for us. And so when we tap in to that supernatural love that we have been shown, then it changes who we are fundamentally. Now, obviously not perfect. Work in progress by all means, please understand that. Right? I know what happens here. 
And I know what I want to do with these from time to time. Right? So it's not a once and done thing for us. We are works in progress. But there should be a fundamental change in how we think and what we want to do to honor God in our life once Christ becomes our King. Right? From the relationship that we have with Jesus, the love we experience there is meant to overflow from our heart to everyone around us, both those whom we like and our enemies as well. Right? That person that's hard to care for, that person that's hard to show compassion to, that person that by all accounts is worthy of our wrath, God would then say to make that enemy someone that we love because he did that for you and he did that for me. He made enemies his children. If this doesn't happen, if we say that we love God but we don't show love to those around us, then the Apostle John, through the divine influence of the Holy Spirit, says that we are liars. Right? Claim to be a Christian all you want to. But if you can maintain that level of hatred in your heart for another human being, you're a liar. You're a liar. You have no understanding of the, the beauty of the grace that has been extended to you. You have no concept of what happened at the cross. Right? If we can carry that kind of hate, then we're liars. We do not love God. We cannot possibly love God if we don't consistently show love for those around us. All right. And on this trip to Ukraine, uh, you guys who are on Facebook may have seen uh, a little bit of this, um, but we had this crazy experience of God showing us an outpouring of love and uh, two sisters in Christ who did everything in their power to also show an outpouring of love to two complete strangers. So I thought I would share this story with you because it's really amazing. The first time we went to Ukraine... We go to uh, the airport, we check in, the, the man there does our stuff at the little checkout thing. We didn't have any bags to check, so we just went on, right? It took like three minutes. We go the second time, we try to check in, something's not working, right? And he's like, oh, it's not working, you're going to have to go talk to the, the check-in lady, all right? So the check-in lady, her name was Jody, and Jody is a believer in Christ who has adopted from uh, Ethiopia, and so when she saw the stroller, but no baby, she's like, what's going on? We're going to go pick up. Uh, we didn't realize we were getting Sophia at the time. And so we're like, we're going to go pick up our adopted son uh, from Ukraine. And she just fell in love with that idea. And so apparently she had accidentally printed two boarding passes for us, two sets of boarding passes. And instead of throwing one away, she kept it and decided to use it to pray for us while we were gone. Yep, I'm a wuss. It's all right. Um, so while we are in Ukraine, we get this message from this lady who's like, I'm not crazy, I promise. I just love Jesus, and I want you guys to know that I'm praying for you. If there's anything you need, please let me know. Well, okay. Fast forward a little bit. We meet Artem, and Artem is in bad shape. Nine years old, weighed 20 pounds. Okay? Terrible shape. Um, we didn't realize how small he was in our first interaction with him because they had like three shirts on him to keep him warm. All right, three shirts, three pairs of pants so that he wouldn't be cold. Or at least that's 
what we're telling ourselves, that that's why they had him dressed up like that. Um, so we didn't know how small he was, and we get him back to uh, the apartment that we were renting while we were there, and we realize he's in bad shape. He's in really bad shape. Come to find out, he's coming down off of whatever they gave him to keep him complacent. In the, so he's going through withdrawals. He's having stomach issues. Uh, bad, bad, bad shape. And we didn't know what to do. And so we start looking for a nurse that could come over, fly over, and help us get him home because we're not sure how that's going to go. So Jody, the lady from Delta, pays for the flights for a nurse out of her own pocket come to Ukraine to look after my boy and to make sure he got home safely. And that nurse, her name is Candace. Candace is also a sister in Christ. Candace was not going to charge us a dime for flying to Ukraine and doing all her medical stuff on our son. This was an amazing outpouring of love by people who did not know us. They just love Jesus. Well, all right. So Artem, Kelly, nurse, go home, leaving me with Sophia for a week there in Ukraine as we're waiting on paperwork to get back. All right, Kelly's like, are you sure you can handle this? I'm like, of course I can handle this. I'm super dad, all right? Don't know that I could have handled it, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Full disclosure. So Jody takes a day off from work. This is the Delta lady. Flies to Amsterdam, meets me in Amsterdam, and helps me get Sophia home the whole way back from Amsterdam to Raleigh and wouldn't let me pay for the flights. Right? Now, I... I don't want to say that I'm blessed because I got good things, right? I'm always blessed. I'm blessed because of Christ. But I got to see an outpouring of Jesus's love for me and to me because of sisters in Christ who were willing to sacrifice their time, their talent, and their treasure so that they could get these little, these little ones home. Right? It's just a willingness to be there and do what is necessary. Whatever God presented them with, they were willing to do. That was just their heart. That was their mindset. Right? And so I wanted to share those stories with you so that we can process through what it looks like for the love of Christ to come in us and through us in the divine appointments that God would give each one of us to do, right? First and foremost, do you have a relationship with Christ, right? Because if you don't have that relationship with Jesus, there's no hope for you. There's no peace for you. There's no lasting joy for you. And there's no possible way that you can give this outpouring of love if you have not experienced that in Christ. First and foremost, do you know Jesus? Secondly, if you do know Jesus, how are you doing with showing and sharing the love of Christ in the world? How are you doing with letting people know that you love Jesus and by an extension of that, you love them as well? 
And many of you have expressed that to our family, and I am extremely grateful for that. I'm extre- like, don't hear me say this as any kind of rebuke, but that's because we're here and we're in this relationship together and we already love one another, that's kind of low-hanging fruit. Right? But what about that person that comes across your desk that you don't care for so much? What about that non-believer that's across the road that listens to their music too loud and has too many people over and isn't exactly as easy to get along with as people, you know, like me who is so lovable? What are y'all laughing at? It's not very nice. (laughs) How are you doing at loving people? You have been an amazing blessing from the Lord to, to my family. And you are doing a wonderful job of loving us. But I pray that that would also extend to those outside of this place. Uh, that we would love our neighbors. That we would love our enemies. That we would love those who are far from God in such a way that they see the light of Christ shining in you and they would want it. They would want that for themselves. So I pray that we are doing that. Let's pray together. Father, I'm grateful for this church. I'm grateful for Jody and Candace. I'm grateful for the love that has been poured out on our family and on Artem and Sophia in ways that are mind-boggling. The generosity that people have shown us, the willingness to bring food. But God, I pray that there would be a mindset among the people of this church that would go beyond these doors, that would go into our community, that would go into our families, that would go into where we work and where we play, and we would have a desire to pour out the time, talent, and treasure that you have given us so that people can see the beauty of the relationship that we have with you through Christ. Lord, help us to look for these opportunities to show people your love. Help us to see the impact that uh, Jesus has on the lives of the people around us. These divine appointments that you would have for us. Help us to see what, what comes of that so that, that it would motivate us to do it even more. But Lord, even if we see no impact, I pray that we would be faithful to share the beautiful gospel that we would be faithful to pour out ourselves in loving sacrifice the same way that Jesus did for us so that people can understand the love that came when Jesus came. We love you. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen.